Welcome to my corner of the internet again. This is Brian Kramer, and uh, this is Crossover Commerce, uh, where I bring the best and brightest in the Amazon and e-commerce space. So you can tell I'm already giddy about today's episode because of the format. A little bit different than what we've traditionally done here in the past, but before we get started and we start going across the room and growing across the world with our guests, let me go ahead and just set the table and say this episode is presented by Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong is helping sellers and entrepreneurs and business owners send and receive money at the snap of a finger, keeping more of their hard-earned margins and putting it back to their bottom line. You don't want to pay fees. Amazon already takes a lot of those. If you're paying it out and shipping, logistics, PPC, whatever that might be, you can actually save money by sending localized currency, and you can do that easily with Ping Pong Payments. Go ahead and sign up for free today by going to usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast. And that's where you can catch all of our previous episodes both live and recorded. This is episode 180, believe it or not, that we've done in this format of our podcast. And over the 179 episodes, I've been lucky enough to meet lots of different people virtually, have a lot of good talks about different varying topics and discussions. Of course, my job is always to have people step away from these episodes and apply actionable and reasonable insights into the Amazon and e-commerce industry. My background lends to that. My guests' backgrounds always lend to that. So that's why I want to paint those pictures for you, the listener, or if you're watching this live, that you can watch and listen and understand and ask those questions to our guests that we have uh, today. Why well, I say today's episode is a little bit different. If you're listening to this, you'll understand why we'll have not just two talking heads, but we'll have a total of four. Um, but if you're watching us live, you can actually uh, we'll see myself that we've established in the title that we're going to do a roundtable episode of go ahead and putting on the title, what makes a business valuable and sellable. That is very important for lots of different brands, Amazon businesses, or just e-commerce businesses in general. Whatever that that looks like to you, you might want to exit that business one day for what a lot of people have heard, the most profitable day in their lives as an entrepreneur. So that being said, I wanted to bring on lots of I call friends of the show in the past who have different aspects and different insights into different parts of your business to achieve and get you to that part of your business so that you can exit and get that most profitable um, part of your business. If it's not profitable, we're going to be talking about that. Or if it's not sellable, we're going to talk about that. But your questions are important to us. So if you have those, go ahead and put those in the comments in the bottom of where you're watching us on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, or you can just put them in the show notes as well. And you can let us know and tag our guests and we'll let you know how to reach all of our individual people that are coming up here on the show. So without further ado on episode 180, we're going to be, let's go ahead and get started as a group. Welcome both uh, Chris Schifferling, Henry Kosminski, and Ben Leonard of, let's say, Ecom Brokers, uh, Scala, Multiply Me, as well as Global Wire Advisors. To all you gentlemen, welcome um, from where you are tuning in today all around the world. We have a global panel today, so it's nice to have you guys all, all on today. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Good to be here. And, right here. Yeah, well, uh, quick introductions really for uh, to set the room. Um, we'll start with Ben since he was first on the stream. Ben, you were on recently. Let's give a maybe like a 30-second intro of you yourself, um, what you do, and then we'll kind of go around the virtual room. Sure. Um, got into e-commerce in 2016. Before that, I was in science, uh, environmental scientist, uh, started a fitness brand, turned out to be good at it, quit my job, scaled it up. Uh, we were doing about six million bucks when I sold it in early 2019, which was right before the explosion in mergers and acquisitions in e-commerce. 
I sold it through a broker who were not great. So I did the obvious entrepreneurial thing and made a better brokerage. So now I'm uh, doing e-com brokers with my co-founder, Allison, who is the brains behind the, 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 the number crunching. And I'm still building brands now, which means I, I still kind of understand what it's like to be on the ground uh, in this uh, crazy e-commerce world that we're in. And that's me. Awesome. And Chris, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, my background is in consumer products. So I worked in um, uh, baby and toy for a really, really long time. Um, what felt like dog years, but uh, it was about 16 years. Uh, worked for various different companies, ranging from 22 million all the way to a half a billion. Um, in 2016, I pivoted my career based on uh, hating a buyer's opinion and telling me what they thought about the products that I was presenting in line reviews. And I said, you know what? I am tired of this. I'm going to have the direct conversation with mom and dad or parent or caregiver. And so I, I pivoted my career to, to really understand Amazon soup to nuts, um, seller central, how to sell a widget, uh, digital marketing as well. And really just trying to understand the other side of marketing. I was, you know, kind of raised in the traditional side, um, met my Three other partners here in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is the second largest finance town outside of New York. Fun little fact. Um, and uh, they all came from the bulge bracket investment banks, uh, working as managing directors in Citibank and Deutsche and Wells Fargo, all the household banks that everybody knows. Um, we we identified in this particular space um, that uh, we believe that an investment banking process uh, should be deployed for certain types of businesses and certain types of clients. And so, uh, you know, our thesis was, hey, this is a this is a a, a good I call it blue ocean um, using some businesses words. <laughs> and uh, and we uh, we started back in 2018 uh, prior to all of these funds popping up. Um, really, at that time, we were trying to take Amazon businesses and get private equity to actually care, which is really that was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, anyways, yeah, so fast forward now we've got a team of 12 and um, we're on our way to getting registered through FINRA, um, having a, a non-caring broker dealer. Uh, we've got a fully functional research department um, and uh, looking to do, we've got a, a, a building out a transaction team and looking to do a lot of capital raising in the future as well. So kind of offering, I'd say more traditional, you know, investment banking type products. So that's Amazing. us. Awesome. I, and I know. And what you were thinking is uh, save the best for last. So I'll go. I'll jump. Exactly. Yeah. Those best looking of all of us, Yannick uh, Kuzminski, uh, why don't you go ahead? It's uh, like you can't say the best accent because, uh, you know, it's uh, it's the, well, it's the second best accent here. So that's already tough. Ben Ben definitely takes that. Case. But um, <laughs> but uh, I'll keep it short. So I spent about a decade in in digital uh, effectively doing strategy for the likes of Sony, MasterCard, Mercedes-Benz, Medtronic. And I don't talk about it a lot, but I spent a lot of time in e-commerce early on building e-commerce websites before they were even inside of the Shopify platform. So it was a very different world back then. Fast forward uh, to when I moved to Tel Aviv. So that's where I'm out of right now and met a couple of guys. They had an Amazon store. They were doing $2 million. And in the space of 12 months, I effectively built out a team and an operational infrastructure to scale them to $5 million. That business was acquired by Thras, and as a result, we now have two companies really trying to help e-commerce sellers professionalize the operation. And I think the one that's more relevant today to talk about is Escala, which is our process improvement consulting practice, where we've deployed into north of about 70 e-commerce and Amazon sellers now, uh, building out their systems based on people, process, and technology. So we've looked under the hood of businesses doing even north of $150 million in annual revenue. And that's really what we bring to the table here today is talking more so on the upside and, and what makes uh, you know a business valuable and sellable. So 
Over to you, my friend Ryan. Yeah, well, and that's what, uh, so setting the table, uh, each of you, if you're a listener or watcher, um, you know that each of these gentlemen brings so much different varying points to the business. And when we, I think the start of between a conversation with Ben and I, I said, I'm just confused of what's in the space. And I think I've called Chris. I think I've talked with Yoni. I go, I'm so confused of who is doing the right thing in the space. Again, uh, who is going to be profitable and who has staying power. Um, and what I mean by that are businesses that are, are acquiring other brands to grow their business. Now, even before that conversation, since that conversation, we've seen things of accelerators. We've seen aggregators. We've seen private equity firms. We've seen um, just incubators in general that have stemmed from this initial wave, I'm going to say almost two years ago. Again, businesses say we've been around for five, so on, so on and so forth. But really just the hot topic button issue of people keep being told. I can sell my brand and sell my business. That's true. But what makes it valuable and sellable? And we kind of put our heads together and said, we can talk about this as gentlemen and as people of experts uh, from what we've seen in the past, because you guys talk with people on a day-to-day basis, what's going to make their business worth a dollar sign or uh, a pound sign or anything like that, wherever they're exiting their business. So long story short, brands have now more power than ever and they can exit a business now more than ever they've always been used to do that but now it's the thing to do so that being said getting started maybe asking all of you is every business online valuable or sellable no no chris and what do you say i'll just flat out say it well for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think you need you need specific tenets of an asset in order to present it to someone who's going to find it attractive, right? Um, when when all of this first started, and I know that Ben and Yoni will agree with me, when all when all, when all these funds, these roll up funds, right? We call them aggregators in the finance world. They're roll up, right? When these roll up funds first started, they went out there and they were just seeking discounts for assets. That was the model. It was I need a full on discount because I'm going to buy. I told my investor base I'm buying here. And my end goal was actually up here. It's all, it was multiple arbitrage. That's what they were going after. Now, these were a bunch of finance guys that were going after assets, right? Now, I know finance guys pretty stinking well, and they're not great operators, right? They're really good at looking at a lot of different financial models, and they're really good at looking at a lot of different spreadsheets, and and they're good at analysis in a boardroom. But from an operating perspective, not so great. Product perspective, not so great. Brand perspective, terrible, right? So... A lot of folks went out in the in the fund space that were in. These are all new funds that have been raised in the past year and a half, and they were just looking for discounted assets. And so there was an impression that was left, I think, on the space. And I think you guys would agree that okay, well, it's just about product and profit. That's that's really what's going to sell right now. And what's happened is these funds have now purchased what we call hickeys. <laughs> they purchased product and profit that had massive amounts of secular tailwind thanks to COVID. And now mm-hmm. through the COVID hangover these past five months, those businesses are not, they're not tradable anymore. And really in the past five months, I know Ben would agree with me, it has gotten considerably harder to even just get a deal done, period. Yeah. It's very, very, very difficult. And everyone needs to understand that. I think all four of us are on this, not singing the Lego movie song. Not everything is awesome right now. It just isn't. And so you asked a question and I'll say this and I'd like to hand it off to everybody else. But, you know, what actually makes a really good asset? I think that 
Number one, you're going to have to get back to the basics of traditional marketing. You're going to have to start growing a brand. You're going to have to start having some level of staying power and innovation within your product roadmap. Um, and you're going to have to start building a real brand. Now, we're going to talk about all that stuff because that's a very vague term. Um, you need to start seeing growth. Ben would Ben probably agrees with me the most here. <laughs> when you're seeing when you're seeing a comp P and L year over year and it's down, it just I don't care what asset manager you're putting the deal in front of. Everyone everyone uses that against you. Mm. So you have to have some level of growth. You have to have some level of you know kind of I call it the the Pinocchio syndrome, trying to be a real boy, right? Trying to be a real company. <laughs> Um, that's, that's trying to figure out what it means to be a staying brand. Um, and it also means you got to really put your stinking head down and become a, a, a brand and product marketer and try and bring some level of good innovation inside of a product development strategy. So I'll pause there and hand it off to the other guys. Yeah. Way to, way to, way to really bring on the, uh, the big guns. Got the here. Heat. Uh, yeah. yeah. Bring, bring in the heat. Ben, I'll let you, I'll let you jump in there for sure. Yeah. I echo what you say, and it, it's interesting, right? Because do you remember when third-party selling on Amazon kind of exploded and it was the Wild West and everyone was selling random stuff on Amazon to make a buck? We all we all called it the Wild West. And then we kind of entered more of a brand-focused phase and we all thought we kind of left the Wild West behind, but unfortunately we're back in the Wild West now and people are getting caught up again in this... It's almost like they're a horse with blinkers on and they're getting far too caught up in making, uh, trying to present their business to make it sellable to a particular type of buyer rather than being a real, a real boy, right? As Pinocchio would say, as Chris said there. And so you really can't afford to do that because many of these buyers won't exist for very long. And shortly the whole scene is going to change when big boy real private equity moves in. And actually, if you just focused on having your house in order and building a real brand and um, making it sellable, regardless of what is going on in this you, this bubble, if you want to call it a bubble in the e-commerce space right now, then you will have a sellable band, brand. So when you focus on you know diversifying your sales channels, diversifying your markets, diversifying your SKUs, diversifying your traffic, actually having some IP around your brand and building something that people are interested in rather than just selling stuff, and unfortunately, when people are looking for advice, they're literally Googling what makes my brand sellable or what makes my brand valuable, or they're attending webinars or they're reading posts on social. The advice they're getting is coming from people who are telling them what makes the brand attractive to them, mm -hmm. which is essentially just what is their deal criteria and not what makes your brand actually sellable in the wider sense of the word. So somebody right. will say, well, you want to you wanna have a couple of hero SKUs and sell everything on Amazon.com. Uh -uh. That might be so-and-so's deal criteria. That is not what makes your brand particularly sellable. And right. So and, for the and, and for the listener. And for the listener. Sorry? I was going to say, Ben, for the listener, that, that to people seems like that's the easiest thing for these people who are taking on these brands. It's going to be the easiest thing for them to do to unload it and to have them manage it, correct? Is that the easiest thing for them to do versus what actually is making the value of their brand, of what they see in your business that you put blood, sweat, tears, equity, all this time, money, and effort into? Yeah, it, it's the easier thing for the, the less sophisticated aggregators, if we're going to talk about aggregators, to do. 
But when you're selling your business and you're taking it through the right process, it should not just be these fairly unsophisticated aggregators who are necessarily at the table. Now, there's nothing wrong with selling to an aggregator, provided your business has been through the right process. But more of the newer aggregators are smarter, more sophisticated. We know they are because they're inv the investors are smarter and they wouldn't have invested unless they, they'd seen that these guys have some operational chops. But more and more, we're seeing uh, more mature organizations that have existed since before this explosion. And uh, now they're moving into the e-com space and they are sophisticated and they, they don't require you to have a couple of hero skews selling on Amazon.com and everything going straight into the Amazon fulfillment center. They can deal with complexity. So you shouldn't worry, oh, it's going to be too complex for a buyer. You shouldn't be worrying about that. That is um, very short termist. And I'll, I'll hand over to Yoni. Yeah, uh, well, well, on that, I actually want to take a few steps backwards. I feel like we, we've come out with guns, guns a blazing here and talking about sort of, you know, I would even call it like the, the middle step, right? Like we're all talking about aggregators as the be all and end all. But Chris will be the first to tell you, well, you know, there's, there's a layer on top of that. And that's called strategics. And then mm -hmm. when you bring that next layer, then we're talking about private equity. And these are the things that are coming. And so whittling it all the way back down to the start and depending on, you know, where the audience is listening at, You've got to change your frame of mind and realize the company, the aggregator, the strategic, the private equity investor, they're not buying you. They're buying your business, so your brand. Mm. And so when you're thinking through how you actually build out this brand, and we'll go into what that means in a lot more detail, I'm certain of it here today, you really got to understand how do I build an infrastructure and a business that isn't heavily reliant on me, the individual business owner, because that's not coming across in the acquisition. And so what we'd spend a lot of time doing inside of Escala is building out those operational efficiencies and saying, well, how do we remove what has historically been a key fundamental driver of the business from the business to separate that and create an actual performing entity or brand? And, you know, Chris and I have well, Global Wide Advisors and Escala have worked together on a number of projects in building out more valuable assets to appeal to a larger buying audience. When we talk about strategic, when we talk about private equity, you know, as you start to do bigger deals and bigger businesses, these things become paramount to even having someone even look in to your business. And, you know, Chris, you'd be able to talk a lot more about that. But to, to you know, to sort of echo the sentiment that's being shared here today, you need to really plan from day one as to what does my brand look like? You know, we're fortunate I mean, you know, I could list out to you, I don't know about you guys, I'm sure you probably could too, but I could list out to you the exact deal criteria that 95% of aggregators will, will list, you know, it's got to be in pet, it's got to be in baby, outdoor might be included, I don't want to touch electronics, you know, we're looking at at least probably close to three quarters of a million to a million in EBITDA, I mean, you know, we're all hearing the same things, right? Yeah, and there's not a whole right. lot of differentiation on that side, but it will come. And as we dive into talking about brand and what sort of the, the coming years is likely going to look like, and I can't wait to hear from, you know, I, I feel very blessed to be on a panel with, you know, three other guys that have such great insights. So, you know, as much as I'm sitting here trying to add value, I know I'm going to learn a lot. So that's my two cents just to open it up. And, that, and that, that, that's a great point, Yoni. Where, so where does this start, gentlemen? Where do, Does this truly start when you're forming your idea of what your business is going to do, whether it's what you're selling or what your services or what your brand represents? Is this where it starts so that when you do want to make it sellable, invaluable, 
it has to be all the way at the beginning of what you're going to be doing from the beginning. Like you said, what category you can go to, like that all starts at the beginning. You can't just say, Hey, I'm gonna put this phone in the baby sector on Amazon. The dust doesn't work that way. So is it truly just from the genesis of where you build your brand on or what you build that product on? And that's it. And that's where people have to start. Yes. I, I, I'd ask the question though as well, like what's your what's your object? I mean, we're talking about Correct. a sellable asset right here, okay? So very contextually, yeah, that's right. But at the end of the day, you also have to think through like, is an exit the smartest thing for me to do tomorrow? Is it in two years? Is it 18 months? Is it five years? You know, how is that going to impact my lifestyle? You know, am I super profitable today? I have a moat around me and therefore I can sit and continue to grow this into something wildly more again i'll i'll pass it over to chris but you know i'd love to hear your position on what multiples look like when the businesses start to really increase and you're selling to a strategic versus an aggregator you know it's uh yeah it's 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 a lot different i mean honestly and so to try and be succinct about this the answer is is yes you want to start i mean look any any major brand that's come up through the ranks and let's just start with the brands that start that go to VC, right? They've got a great idea. Um, they build out a business plan. They, they build out a full model, a full template. And whether, whether it's almost at a point where it's about to say operate, or it may have already started to operate because they took some seed money and now they're looking for a punch, kind of some jet fuel. Every single deck that you see that goes in front of VC always has an exit, some type of liquidity event in mind, period. And so, you know, I would say yes. And also to Yoni's point, what is the objective, right? Stephen Covey says, you know, start with the end in mind, right? So what is your objective? Do you just want a cash flow of business? I'm looking at purchasing, a, uh, I'm looking at purchasing right now and buying a retail store, a retail baby store down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And that thing will never sell. It will always cash flow, always, period. So the objective of that is pure cash flow, right? I know it's not going to be a sellable asset, but it's going to be wildly profitable. So really, you got to just think with the end in mind, right? I'd say for most of this audience, though, that's an anomaly. That's not the case. It's I want to grow something that would would provide a life changing liquidity event. OK, great. Well, now you got to start becoming more of a tradition. You got you to get away from being a tactician and you need to be a strategist. You got to start really thinking really big about what is this going to be? Where am I going to start? What brand am I trying to create? Right. What, what presents some really good opportunity for particular product differentiation and product innovation, right? These are all very traditional um, uh, tactics that you deploy when you're in, I would call just a everyday CPG company. I mean, these are things that we would sit in and we would want to go into a new category when I worked at Evenflow, which is a very large baby products company. And we wanted to go into a new category. We would sit down and we'd identify what channel is it going to sell in? Even before that, it was what's the product innovation that's going to turn the heads, right? What fits within our brand promise, right? And then you start developing product that 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 is based on everything that you've discovered through now. What channel is it going to go in, right? And so it's a lot. It's a lot of just sitting down and actually actually creating a real business plan for for what you're trying to do. And I think. The education in the space, and I'll say this and hand it off to the guys, the education in the space, the first class of the gold rush of FBA was all about finding the garlic press that was the most profitable. That's not starting a real business. That's just arbitrage. That's it. That's just me trying to find a dollar underneath the couch. But that was the first wave of education. 
Then the aggregators have come along and they've really been the staple and bellwether of education currently in the space. Fine, right, wrong or indifferent. Are they going to actually sit there and educate you on how to build an asset that's more valuable that they have to pay more for? No, the answer is no. So this space needs that kind of traditional. I've been listening to a lot of the content. I've been listening to that content. I've gone to a lot of different events and it's a lot of tactical stuff. And I haven't heard one brand marketer, not one product marketer, not really very, very few people standing on stage speaking strategically to the crowd. And I'll hand it over to you guys. <laughs> you, you almost did. You actually almost did, Chris, at AMZ Innovate, but he got sick. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. I want to give the, the listeners some good news, um, which is that, you know, because, you know, Chris, you were saying there, it, it, it starts with the end in mind. It, it, ideally, it does. But a lot of people will be sitting there going, oh, well, I didn't start with the end in mind. Right. And it's not too late. It's not too late to strengthen your business to make it more sellable. Totally. You can, absolutely, you can absolutely do that, provided you're not doing arbitrage and just trying to find a dollar under the couch. <laughs> and provided you're not selling me too stuff. Mm -hmm. If you build a more mature brand, you can absolutely strengthen your business to make it more attractive, sellable and valuable. The key thing is kind of what I touched on before is that you make it attractive, sellable and valuable in the broader sense of the term rather than purely what is going to be attractive to a particular e-commerce aggregator's deal criteria, bearing in mind that aggregator probably won't exist pretty soon. So, you know, that that's the good news. But in an ideal world, yeah, it does start with the end in mind. And so for anyone listening who perhaps has already got an exit under their belt or is in the position where they're just starting out or potentially is in a great position, has quite a lot of money behind them to start something new and absolutely start with the end in mind. Um, make sure that you are uh, building your business to sell. Um, there's, you know, some classic books on this topic. Uh, which kind of break it down in pretty very, very simple terms, really. But uh, I make no apology for recommending them because I think they're great. Uh, Built to Sell by John Warlow is a really great book, I think. Uh, and then the, the, the absolute classic, which everyone ought to read anyway, uh, The E-Myth Revisited by Michael E. Gerber is, is superb. Um, you know, following the advice of those books when you begin uh, will really mean that you're in a much uh, better position when the time does come to start thinking to sell. And Yoni, you touched on a really important point is, well, when do you want to sell, right? Do you want to sell now, nine months time, 10 years time? You know, you need to be asking yourselves these questions and also be being realistic, you know? Um, some people will be listening saying, I never want to sell, but you need to ask yourself, well, what's your life going to look like in three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years? What's the industry going to look like? What's technology going to be look like, right? Are, are we all going to be walking around, you know, with, um, with phones in literally, you know, in our palms of our hand, you know, kind of, you know, literally stitched in there or something, probably not, but you know what I mean, right? So you need to, to think about how the space is going to change, how your industry is going to change, how regulation is going to change, how Amazon is going to change. Are you going to be able to keep up with all of that? Do you want to hand this business over to your kids? You know, what does, what's your life going to look like? And the answer is it's probably going to want to be some kind of an end game. And that's probably going to, if you've done it right, be an exit. So you need to make sure you're in as good a position as possible, which means making your business sellable and valuable. Could, so know, I'd, I'd, love ahead, to, I'd love to ask a question to, to the room, but obviously, particularly given econ brokers and global wide advisors, this is what you guys do, right? I think like a really good starting point so we can get into some more meaty content is, you know, aggregators, strategics, private equity, you know, they're looking for key things to actually put 
a dollar value amount on the business and you know like trailing 12 month ebitda aspects like that i'd love to i'd love to ask you guys the professionals like what are they looking for as a starting point because on the back of that we can start to talk about well how do you actually how do you pump that up to make it worth your while so i'll i'll pass it back over to you guys yeah i'll, I'll take a, a first stab i mean look um you're talking specifically about kind of multiples in this particular space right now, right? And kind of where things are headed. Is that really the question on the table? Yeah. I mean, not specifically like, am I going to get a multiple of three or 10 yeah. or five? More so like if I'm the seller, so Ben, to your point and also mine, you know, if you start with the end in mind or you continue with the end in mind and you're looking to build this moat and you're looking to build out your brand, you know, what, what, what does the end outcome like? we could even use a hypothetical here. Let's say my goal was to exit for 5 million. I wanted to make $5 million or I wanted to make $10 million, whatever that number looked like for me to live comfortably for the rest of my life or whatever my next venture looked like. Mm -hmm. How do, how do we step backward now and say, right, this is, this is how it's going to be valued and, and moving into how we can start to add a little bit more value to those listening. Yeah, I would say let's I mean, let's start with the let's start with today and then I'll talk about two years from now. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I have kind of a specific reason to talk about call it two or three years from now. Right now, Amazon platform risk amongst private equity and, and, and corporate strategics is still very real. Right. And really what's happened is private equity has invested fairly heavily inside of the vehicle, inside of the platform, which is, you know, Silver Lake, just billion dollars of equity, Bain. 750 inside of inside of uh, Berlin Brands, Advent has has invested inside of Thras, and you've got other institutional investors um, that are investing pretty heavily inside of the platform, right, the vehicle. And really, because of that platform risk, what's what's happened is the canary has gone into the coal mine, and they're waiting for the canary to come out of the coal mine. And they want to see because there's a lot of there's a lot of macro and microeconomic risk that 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 these aggregators currently face in the past five months have been tough. You know, everything was awesome through COVID, as I said earlier, and now you've got to become a real operator. And that really is what it boils down to. It's how how well can can these particular vehicles, how well can they operate? Right. So right now, getting a corporate strategic, unless you're pet, seriously, getting a corporate strategic to wake up and look at your business and take you very seriously. It's, it's quite difficult. It's not impossible. Um, we've actually sold a couple businesses to strategics that are all Amazon businesses. Um, so it is possible. Uh, private equity is a little bit more lax on that platform risk. Um, but really what, what everyone's waiting for is, okay, let's see what happens to the canary. So what happens two years from now? We think, we believe it global and we actually, I'll plug shameless plug of our research report that just came out today and it'll be available to everybody. But we believe that. that. Yeah. Very convenient, we, Chris. Very, very, <laughs> very convenient. And so we believe that the assets that the private equity are, are by, by investing in the vehicle, they're, they're, they're really wanting to see what's going to happen in two years. We think it's going to rotate. They're going to start investing more heavily inside of the asset, not the vehicle. That's what we think is going to happen. Right. And so the other thing in big event, once it does happen, once you see a public event, a public equity event, an IPO through any one of the aggregators, um, 
you know, those multiples fire off for like 32x. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. Institutional cash will pour in like crazy. So back to Yoni's question, what does that all mean for the guy who's like, I just want to make $5 million or $10 million? Well, the reality is right now the market is going to change over the next two years. More corporate strategics are going to get heavily involved. Um, more private equity is going to get heavily involved first. And that dramatically changes the multiples and the way you should be viewing your business. Corporate strategics model everything differently. They just want, they want you and your asset and they roll it into their current distribution program, right? And so they, they really look at things and they model financially much different. And those multiples tend to be larger because of the financial modeling. Private equity, they want you and your team. That's what they want. They want infrastructure. They want to buy the whole kit and caboodle, right? They don't, they have a fund, they have a general partner, they have limited partners, and they've got a guy that sits on like two or three seats on your board, but they need you and your team. And not necessarily you, they, they'll probably replace you with another CEO, but they need all your infrastructure. So you got to think about that as where kind of where things are headed, right? And to Ben's point, he's he's alluded to this, you know, they may not be around tomorrow. There's mm. going to be a lot of consolidation in the operators. The, the strongest operators are going to survive. I could name them off right now who we believe are the strongest operators, but we won't do that right now. But the strongest operators within that roll-up strategy, they're also going to exist. And here's, here's, the, here's the good news for everybody. Here's the secret. Multiples are going to expand for really great assets, period. The average multiple in the space right now is around five for a good asset. In CPG, it has averaged seven to 14 over the past two decades. And it's going up dependent on the category. When you look at public equities right now, Unilever, P&G, Clorox, those multiples for acquisitions, 13, 17.7, and 15.4. That's a whole different world because those guys go after great assets and that's where everything is headed. That's that's so just my opinion. So, so that's, yeah, I was gonna say, go ahead, Ben, before I make a distinguish. Sure, so uh, the last three, four minutes of what Chris said should just be uh, recorded and put on a loop I'm put in front of everyone in this space, to be perfectly honest, because it's nice to hear some some truth bombs being dropped. Um, what I would just uh, uh, kind of add to that is a couple of things. Uh, Chris, you mentioned there are multiples in the space, you know, 5x. A lot of people will be uh, raising their eyebrows to hear that because they're hearing a, a very different narrative elsewhere. So that, that's, you know, it's important that people understand that. Uh, the other thing I just wanted to kind of hone in on is you know, you mentioned there about some of the uh, more operationally capable uh, aggregators, if we're going to talk about those guys for a moment, um, will still be around uh, in, a, in a couple of years, and some of them won't. Some of them will have just died, and some of them will have got eaten up. Um, what I would just say about that then is, if you are the person who's thinking, oh, I just want to sell my business for five to ten, then what what you're hearing now about what how, how to sell your business now won't necessarily be true in, in two years, which is why it boils right back to what we said right at the start of the, the conversation was get back to simply what makes a great business, regardless of what's going on in this bubble. You know, I'm talking to people all the time like, oh, I need to get out now. And I'm not in the business of, of encouraging people to just flip their business. And I'm like, well, actually, you, you really don't. Uh, you've got a, a good business. It's heading in the right direction. And actually, uh, when the time comes to sell it, regardless of, of, of everything that is going on, there will be a, a, a right buyer for it. And actually, the situation is going to be a lot better for sellers in the next few years, I think, as this, this space matures and some of the, the crazy stuff that we're seeing going on changes. And, you know, again, Chris, you mentioned there that 
the the better operators will still be around. And I just want to kind of touch on that. So, you know, I, I think probably 80% of the aggregators will not exist as they exist now in a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And of the 20% that remain, probably 10%, so probably half of those guys are pretty good operators. And the other half are not, but they will survive purely because the enormous hammer they are using to hammer the square peg into a round hole is just so big. It's a good analogy. <laughs> they will still exist. Yeah. Um, and for some sellers, right, they'll be thinking, oh, I really need to make sure that I sell my business to the, the, the operator who's extremely capable. And for some, they'll just be saying, I don't care. Just give me the money. <laughs> right. And, and, and I said, I, you know, I kind of understand where those people are coming from. Um, but, you know, it's it, the moral of the story is uh, get your brand right, get your business right. Uh, and don't worry too much about uh, all the noise that's happening at this exact point in time, because things are going to change anyway. Right. You're going to receive an email multiple times a week for your brand. If you're saying, hey, exit your exit your business. Uh, now's the time to do it. And, and that makes sense, right? That's their business model as right now. I think the important distinguishing factor I wanted to get back to is is product or your asset versus people power. And I, I hear people of like the people who know what they're doing to build that that business plan moving forward of this is who we're going to attack. This is who we're speaking to. This is who trusts us. We have assets such as a loyalty group or uh, something we can tap into constantly in terms of marketing that we are aware on uh, a shelf when people can look at a product and they go, that's Ben's baby products instead of, oh, that's a cute little blanket or something like that. There's a distinguishing factor of brand versus asset. So in that regards, if people are starting to, and they hear, oh, I can exit now and they're buying my assets, it's great. But in the future, if they want to build a brand or buy a brand, I've always tried to figure out what, what that distinguishing factor is. Is that really true, Chris? Is that, is that, is that on the nose of people are going to start being acquired by bigger money and people don't have that sense of, of money. There's more money out there that can enter the space and start throwing their weight around. Is, is that the distinguishing factor that we're talking about now? Layer in on that a little bit more. So I fully understand what you're saying. Cause I mean, the, to answer your question about more money, yes, the amount of money that's been raised in currently in this space is a very, very small amount compared to how much right. cash flows through hedge funds right now. So I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of you gentlemen have been out on the road. You've been talking to sellers and brands more. I, I, I've just been talking with bigger heads um, through Zoom calls and, and forums like this. My sense is that we've hit this first wave, right? We've hit this first ripple, this this tsunami it feels like right now because it's the only thing we know of multiple people are exiting their businesses but it seems like it's almost died down right we've hit that that lull period or if it's a hurricane mm -hmm. we've hit the eye of the storm but then mm -hmm. you're going to start to hit up this next wave of people are going to come in and they're going to start throwing even more weight and more power in a bigger you know more money in that general when it makes it harder for those brands who are holding on and i think that there's a lot of them out there that are holding on they're like we got this right now and we're operating just fine we don't need you right now, that then they're going to be enticed to, to move away from their business. What, what does that, what does that mean for brands who are holding out right now? And they're saying there's, there's greener roads or greener pastures down the road. And that next wave is going to hit maybe Q1, Q2 of 2022. Yeah. I mean, look, there's a, there's a misconception. I think I'm, I think I can drive on what you're, what you're saying. There's a bit of a misconception that, oh, this is, I got to exit now, like right, right now. And the reality is, no, <laughs> 
It's just not true. You know, the, in our executive summary in this research report, we literally compare this to the hedge fund space of, of the 1990s. And, and I'll quote my research report, right? However, any short-term consolidation or capital reallocation shouldn't derail long-term industry growth. Ultimately, investment flows into aggregators should continue unabated given the attractive spread between 3P seller acquisition multiples and publicly traded consumer product companies, which aggregators will increasingly resemble. This isn't going anywhere. It's just going to get refined. It's going to get sophisticated. And with sophistication, you, the person listening, needs to also become professionalized and sophisticated and where everything is headed. So yeah, if you've got pencils down, head down, actually not pencils down, if you've got head down and pencils up and you're looking to continue to refine your brand and maybe you have been that garlic press type company, right? You've been the Alibaba type company and now you really wanna become Pinocchio, a real boy. You know, I would say, yeah, strategically find a way to do that through lots and lots of good resource that's out there um, and there's ways to do it. People grow brands all the time without having to use the juice of Amazon. They just it, it's it's happened for for decades upon decades upon decades. You know, Ben right now is growing a brand and starting a brand from scratch that, you know, doesn't necessarily need the juice of just I've got a product and profit. Right. And so I would just encourage anybody right now to say, hey, look, and exactly what Ben was saying and what we've been saying on this panel Look, man, there's a lot of white noise and aggregators are pushing you because they want your assets now at a discount. They want what you've built currently at a discount. Keep your head down. Keep pushing. Surround yourself with strategic people who understand how to grow true brand, true product innovation, growing a real product roadmap and just keep trucking because the money is going to just get better. And if you do that, and you refine your own business to professionalize and become more sophisticated, your asset in the next few years is going to be wildly more valuable for sure. Right. Yoni, what does that mean? To, yeah, I was going to say, what does that mean to you? Well, I was just going to say to that effect, and you know, we're, we're talking sort of future state and future tense versus current and, you know, what's going to happen in the next few years. I mean, if we take it back to the aggregators for a second and you look at how much capital is being raised right now, and Chris, we've spoken about this in at length. The reality is in order for aggregators to move the needle and to appease investors, the actual acquisitions they need to make are much larger. So you need to be putting your head down and building a brand because an acquisition at half a million EBITDA is not going to do anything for that. It's not, it's not even looked over anymore. So investing in your professional growth and leveraging professionals who can help guide you through that process is ultimately even if you want to get out in the let's call the short term over the next 12 to 18 months even if you want to get out in the short term you're still going to have to grow larger than you would have had to a year ago and two years ago before that so that's a critical thing that you need to to think about i would say in the short term and then you know as we talk about and as your research paper outlines, you know, it's going to be super interesting to see who really has that staying power to build something that will stand the test of time. And so investing in things like product development and understanding, you know, like Ben, when you showed me the technical drawings around your products, I like almost, I almost fell off my seat. Like that was some of the most professional stuff I've ever seen in my life. And so it just goes to so show for someone who's been through that process before and is now going again. Um, it's a, you know, I can only imagine it's a very different reality that you find yourself in. You have to treat this as a big boy business, right? 
And that's I, what I don't mean by that is to belittle anyone who's not doing enormous numbers. I would say that right. if you do, if, okay. you know, if you're if you're not doing um, if you're not doing, you know, half million, a million, two million EBITDA, you can still sell your business. There are buyers out there who will buy it. It's almost like point. if you think of it like a food a food chain, right? And, and Frasio and Percher, if we're talking about aggregators, Frasio and Percher at the top, they're much, much smaller players, some of them who, who, who really do have operational capability and they're just cutting their cloth accordingly and they're being quite smart in how they do this. They're kind of going under the radar and they themselves probably want to get acquired after they've rolled up a few small uh, brands. So you absolutely can. But what doesn't change, whether you're you're very, very small or you have aspirations to be gigantic, is treating this like a grown-up business. And so, for example, you you, you kindly mentioned uh, my new brand. Yeah, um, I, I have I am in the fortunate position where I've already got an exit under my belt. And so I'm able to uh, put quite a lot of capital into uh, pretty sophisticated product development. But this is the type of product development that really, even if you don't have the money, you can still do it on a smaller scale. You know, you should be asking yourself, well, what do um, real, inverted commas, brands do, right? Mm -hmm. um, no matter what vertical you're in. Um, and do that, right? So work with proper product designers and have your product properly designed. Work with proper um, intellectual property attorneys and build some IP around your brand. Work with proper branding experts and build some kind of brand identity. All of this stuff matters. Slapping an, a product on Amazon because you, you think that some aggregator is going to give you a squillion next year just is not a sustainable approach. It's not. So I was going to say, Ben, that brings a good point. And, and if we're talking today, and again, a lot of people are going to talk about, like, what about today? Going back to that point, what matters today the most? Is it product? Is it uh, audience? Is it just logistics in general? Or what, what are the things that are truly mattering and being a valuable asset that you can sell today? Is it, what, what are those top three things that people can walk away and say, hey, if I get my decks in a row and I at least have those things going for me, I know I'll have a, I'll have the highest multiples possible presently today in my lap. Uh, for me, I mean, maybe we can each go around and just throw a few out there, right? For me, it's, it's, it's uh, product and brand are, are the big two. Um, and then, you know, I, I, underneath that, you need to have the uh, the systems, the processes, the intellectual property, the supply chain to support that. But front facing, it's product and brand. If you don't have a good product that solves a problem uh, and works, and you don't have a brand with an identity that people can get behind, then you kind of don't have anything, right? Um, in my opinion, and I, I believe that more buyers in this space value brand, and their investors value brand. And that, that ultimately, that's what matters. Yoni, did yeah. you say? I'd agree. I'd say. Oh, go sorry. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I, go I, ahead, Yoni. I, I I would definitely agree uh, too. I would say as well, like one of the things when you're, if we're talking specifically about selling an asset, then making sure that you've built that runway on that trailing twelve, making sure that you've really, you know, squeezed every bit of, you know juice out of that lemon and made sure that for example you've you know if i put myself in the position of a potential acquirer especially if we go back to to aggregators for a second now you know i have a unique ability to understand where they're investing or unique insights into where they're investing in their operations and where they're not so you as the business or brand owner one of the most unique and one of the things that will always remain special is that you had the passion 
behind the business and the product and the brand that you created. And, you know, a W2 seller is not going to be who's sat there and become the brand manager isn't going to have the same level of passion behind what it is they're creating. So if you can build out that roadmap and you can really say, right, well, this is what the next three and five and 10 products look like, that becomes entirely uh, well a lot more attractive to a potential acquirer if you've built out functionality and aspects to the business that they don't have capabilities for right now when you think about the aggregator model in its current state. So obviously, I mean, not to pitch us, but the reality is having your processes and your systems as Ben had outlined really established so that you're not the linchpin in the business and you're not the one that is driving all that dependency. I mean, that's what I'm looking for. If I'm a strategic buyer, I want to really understand that I don't need this human or even this team in the current state. You know, if we start talking about private equity, right? They'll buy, you know, the 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 entire, they'll buy the baby and the bathwater all together. But at this point in time, you know, it's a different, uh, it's a different state. So yeah, I, I mean, I would agree to, with everything Ben, ben has said as well. 100%. You know, I would say, you know, one, one of the things when, when, when I was working, uh, even in, in, in a small business, which was, which was the first company I worked in, it was a Japanese stroller business called Combi, you know, both at Combi and even going to Evenflow, um, working in a much more larger environment. And I worked around a lot of PNG, XPNG, X Clorox, kind of X, like really strong CPG um, executives. Two things that we worked on pretty much all the time um, as a larger, broader executive team was one, we're always, we were always working on our brand always period. We were always looking to see how we could improve the emotional benefit that the parent was going to receive from using an even flow car seat or an X or saucer, you know, some of these, uh, proprietary nomenclature, big brands, right. And always looking to try and improve how we were perceived because, you know, most of the way that we were perceived inside of that particular organization was on a Walmart, Target, Bed Bath & Beyond, Sears, Kmart, Burlington shelf, right? And so we were always looking to improve brand and we were always echoing exactly what everyone has said here, always looking three years out by channel on a product roadmap. Literally three years out, we would have our EVP of product marketing, and then we would have our brand marketers, we'd have our product marketers, we'd have the sales team, and we would all be talking about individual channels and a three-year product roadmap at any given time. And so I think that's that's a really good principle. Now, you know, the individual you know, solopreneur, Amazon seller may be thinking, well, I have no team. It's fine. Just take some time to really go, okay, I'm gonna take a few steps back and I'm gonna think more strategically about my business. Because if you think about brand a lot and you put a lot of effort into improving brand, truly improving your brand and understanding what emotional benefit you bring to the table that a particular person is going to receive from your particular brand and the product innovation inside of your product roadmap, you're going to have a very valuable asset. I can guarantee you that. Right. Can you, can a brand be too maximized or value or maximized out in its current state? to be sellable does that make sense where no if, I, if i'm an operator okay sorry go ahead you keep keep going man no i was gonna say uh what i mean by that is can i have operations and expansion in marketplace i'm running in all these different channels i'm running d2c can i be maximized out to a point where say an aggregator again someone who's going to acquire my business is 
we don't have the capabilities to grow that any further, or we can't take it that next step so that on our books, make ours look more profitable, valuable. Find another aggregator. Then the, the, the aggregator, if they're saying things like that, they have zero confidence in their operating ability. If they're literally looking at something going, I can't grow this anymore. Well, then you should just shut down your shop and leave and fire all your people that you hired from all these big companies. Because that's just not a real thing. Brand is infinite, right? Apple is infinite. BMW is infinite. It's the innovation that they bring into the particular product roadmap that keeps them moving and going, right? Hi. That's you awesome. got I what iPhone are we on now? Uh, 13. 13. Okay, there you go. What what type of chip is being what type of chip is being used in the MacBook today that wasn't being used 10 years ago? M1, right? It's a the brand's infinite. Product roadmap and innovation is what grows a particular CPG company. Because if that doesn't exist, then you just become commoditized, which unfortunately I believe majority of Amazon 3P sellers have found themselves inside of that particular microcosm of commoditizing their own particular product. So I would disagree. I think I think there's plenty of room to grow. There's this misconception because we think so short term of, well, if I'm already in these channels, no one else can grow this. No, 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 no. If you built your brand the right way and you have a real product roadmap that introduces strong innovation inside of that particular product roadmap and you've got real product extensions inside of that product roadmap. I mean, brands have been around for decades upon decades and continue to grow. Right. The, biz, the business that I I got into combi, it started at four million. We grew it to 22 million. It just kept growing. Even flow. When I came, it was half a million, half a billion, went down to 280 million and is actually now back up to half a billion again. I just talked talk to my buddy who's, who still works there. It's, no, it's 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 not. That's not a real thing. I get frustrated because I've heard that a lot. They're like, oh, I don't know if I can grow this. It's just so stupid. Right. Like you just well, you just you just don't know product. You don't know. operating. And to that point, gentlemen, I know we've talked an hour and we've covered a lot of futuristic, both actionable insights, both short term and long term. But for the sake of time, and I know we're going to have to do like part two, three, four, 17 down the road of re looking back at where we currently state. What are some closing insights that we can take in for the listener or the brand owner that they can provide that we can provide them for 2022 and maybe just starting on that journey, whether it's they want to exit or they want to do it in the next 12, 18 months, or they want to build a brand that's going to be very profitable in the next 10 years. What are those insights that you want to leave people with? Want me to go first? Sure. Please do. Okay. Uh, I guess if you want to, if you're looking at an exit in this sort of near to medium term, then you need to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row. So if you're if you fall down the stairs tomorrow and break your legs and you're in hospital and your your business isn't going to run without you then it's not very transferable so uh pretend you've broken your legs and you can't run your business for the next couple of weeks and ask yourself that question and if the answer is uh it's all going to fall apart then you need to make sure that you've got some more systems and processes in place to get it uh running smoothly and obviously yon is your man to talk to about that Ensure that everything is uh, neat and tidy, the T's are, are crossed and the I's are dotted in terms of your intellectual property, your accounts, um, and making sure that your business is you know, defensible uh, and it's actually some kind of an asset that somebody's going to want to buy. So that means making it diversified on your sales channels, your markets, um, your SKU count, uh, your sources of traffic, um, obviously making sure you've got everything um, neat and tidy in terms of your supplier relationships. Are they audited? Are they complying with the right standards? Have you got automation going on your in, in your business? Um, is it uh, the type of thing, uh, you know, 
th that somebody's going to want to buy? Have you got anything gray area or black hat that you need to uh, stop doing immediately, for instance? More long term, it's kind of what we spoke about. It's focusing on the broader strategy rather than getting uh, too caught up in the latest tactics that everybody's going nuts about in the space. And it's, it's, it's being a real boy and um, focusing on you know, yeah, head down, pencil down, concentrating on uh, developing your brand rather than uh, short-termism of what's going to make it uh, potentially attractive to an aggregator when actually the landscape when you do want to sell is going to be completely different anyway. Love that. Yoni? So hard to go after that guy. Ben, Sorry. he always has all the, all the best points here, you know? I mean, you know, I'm just going to echo, I'm just going to echo virtually, not virtually, everything uh, you said. It is really about becoming a real boy. And I'm actually just going to share, like, I'm not selling on e-commerce right now, but we leverage professional services everywhere. We have a global financial tax lawyer. We have a fractional CFO. We are doing absolutely every, if we don't have the resources internally, and I've got a team of, I mean, over 200 on payroll today, if we don't have the best-in-class professional services internally, I'm identifying where I can find them. So there is a wide world of great solutions out there that exist. Make sure that you are, you know, make sure that you're future-proofing your business and where you are weak, you are finding assets, you know. We'll leverage a development house if we don't have the internal capabilities, you know, to your point, Ben, about building, mm. um, you know, a, a heavy or intelligent tech stack that's going to have staying power. And I'd say if you broke your hands, probably more challenging than your legs with e-commerce businesses. <laughs> but, 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 that's, but that's really it is, is how do I exit the business today, me as an individual contributor, so that it has staying power and it will stand the test of time. And for a potential acquirer, it becomes a much more attractive asset and I have a product roadmap and I understand what does 12 and 18 and 24 months look like build we spent an immense amount of time on our on our four dx four disciplines of strategy execution building our wildly important goal and building our lead measures and the inputs to drive towards our collective company objectives so I'm saying like just taking assets and aspects like that to educate yourself on how you can build a better business not just you know, doing keyword research on Helium 10 for a product that maybe has a gap in the market and, you know, changing a few widgets on it and off you go. That's no, you know, that's no longer going to work today. Yeah, man, I got a, I got a bat third after all that. That's just, uh, <laughs> that's, even, that's even harder, man. So look, every, everything that's been said is exactly, is exactly what I think is some of the best wisdom and wisdom and some of the best nuggets that anybody listening can, can take away. You know, one of the things that we find when we work with our clients is, you know, to, to really summarize some of the points, know your data, actually know it, like know your qualitative and quantitative data, um, know your financials. That's something 98% of clients that we work with do not understand. Um, so know your financials and really take the time to, to actually clean them up. Um, you don't have to go through a gap, you know, audit, 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 audit process and go to a KPMG to get those those done. But, you know, know your financials. Um, and I'd say finally, and this is something that I think is really a good summary point for for everything that's been said. Just have a view, like have an actual view of your business. Like, where is it going? What is it today? What do you what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. And when we work with a lot of clients, they tend to not really have that view. And so part of the work that we do at Global Wired is, you know, 
helping them strategically paint that picture of what a fully optimized form of this particular business is going to look like. And so, but if you come to the table already with a view, it just makes all of that so much easier for you to be able to paint that picture to whoever, whoever wants to purchase your particular asset. And it makes you more attractive and valuable. Good points by all. Um, I'll, I'll kind of wrap it with that since we hit the hour mark of all very much, it's, it's going to change again in the next two years. And I think if you, if you could like look into the brains of people who are acquiring businesses right now, their insights are way different than they were a year ago, six months ago, three months ago. Again, if you're looking from the acquisition side of things, they're constantly going to change what they're looking for, what's valuable. It used to be all strictly selling on Amazon. Now it's changed a little bit or we would like some omni-channel or diversification and building brands a little bit off of the on Amazon. But that being said, gentlemen, thank you so much for hopping on today. Um, again, I could probably talk to you all for a couple hours straight, but I know we have businesses and uh, things <laughs> to do. And I have another podcast in another hour. So we're going to have to do this again nice. uh, <laughs> all over. But uh, how people can reach out to you, each of you. I know we linked to this in the comment section quickly if you want people to touch base with you. Um, then and then we'll work around again once more and how they can touch base or connect with you. Yeah, I'll, I'll right. go. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go, ahead. Go, um, ahead. go to Google and type in Global Wired Advisors and you'll see our website and go to the website and you'll find many <laughs> ways to contact us. And for the three for the three percent of users who use Yahoo still and Bing, if Bing's even still a thing. Uh, you can do the same when we come up. So yeah, go to our website, globalwiredadvisors.com. We've got a lot of um, good white papers. We've got some good content. Our research paper is dropping our first one. It's called Amazon Aggregators, a Profile of Risk and Return from the Digital Frontier. So uh, it's a good one. Um, we also have a consultation, a uh, way, way for you to get in touch with us via consultation. And also um, uh, we have a valuation tool just if you want to have some fun, plug in some numbers and at a 90,000 foot view, see what your business is worth. <laughs> Amazing. Yoni? So for me, I mean, you can look up Multiply Me, me spelled M-I-I for our staffing business or we are Escala for our consulting practice. If you really want to get me personally, then I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So Yoni Kosminski. Um, but yeah, we've got a smart enough audience who will figure it out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also the show notes, you know. Yeah, there's Shona. Again, I, I link out to everything, but sometimes you just have to tell people directly. Yeah. And then finally with you, um, I feel like you, well, you've actually appeared the most on my podcast. So people should know by now. But uh, um, yeah. Or uh, they'll just be fed up with me. Oh, it's this guy again. Um, yeah, we're at ecombrokers.co.uk. Uh, it's a UK domain, but we're working all over the place. Um, I'm on all the main social media channels at Ben Leonard Pro and particularly LinkedIn. So look me up on there. You should find me. Uh, you can email me if you want, ben at ecombrokers.co.uk. I'm happy to help. And um, yeah, thanks for having us all on the show, Ryan. Yeah, appreciate it, Ryan. Yeah. Thank you. Abs absolutely. And then everyone else who, who's watching, obviously, you know how to connect with me in our episodes. Uh, obviously, go to USA at pinkpongx.com forward slash podcast um, or search crossover commerce on your favorite channel. That's it for today. I'm just going to go ahead and wrap it up and say, gentlemen, it was a pleasure and honor to talk, share the stage with you all. Um, Chris dropping some information in our private chat that I can't wait to dive into. It was one of the two, I'll say this, it was one of the two businesses that I figured that they were alluding to and they were saying, prepare for another big drop. So another big raise from another aggregator uh, coming up. So stay tuned, look over at our channels to see what we're talking about. 
that being said, we'll catch you guys next time on another episode here in a few, uh, I'll say less than an hour on Crossover Commerce. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.